Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. It's, uh, it's good to be in science. I, as we work in science, we get to see a lot of things in science that uh, show that there was a creator. We see a lot of systems. We see a lot of organisms and characteristics of organisms that just show that there had to be a creator. And so uh, uh, the writer of Romans tells us this. He said, for since the beginning of the world, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. He tells us that all we have to do is look at his creation and we can tell that there had to be a creator. So this morning, that's what I'm going to do. We're just going to look at a few organisms, if we can. And uh, the ones I've picked today kind of deal with the Earth's magnetic field and how organisms use the Earth's magnetic field uh, to either catch prey or to migrate uh, from one area to another. They, they use these moving electrical charges. And I don't understand. I don't even try to understand the Earth's magnetic field or the, the different inclinations or the different directions that it moves, but we're going to look at some organisms that do use um, the magnetic field. There's a lot of turtles uh, on this Earth and a lot of here in Lubbock that do not migrate, but this particular one does. It's a loggerhead turtle, and they migrate in several parts of the oceans, in different oceans, uh, some researchers have researched that they have these migratory maps built into their brain that are calibrated to the magnetic field, particularly the intensity of the magnetic field and also to the inclination of the magnetic field. And I've always thought the magnetic field runs north and south, and it does mainly run north and south, but there's also east and west inclinations, and these turtles put both of them together and they can migrate in the ocean. And they know they can't get uh, very much past a certain inclination or they will die from exposure to cold temperatures. Uh, here's a researcher in Florida, and they figured out how they could attach these little uh, trackers onto the back of these turtles. And actually, it's a hairdresser who figured out what kind of glue to use to attach them on there. And so they tracked all of these turtles all the way from Florida right after they were born up to near Portugal, to the uh, islands near Portugal. Uh, and, but it was another researcher at North Carolina that tracked these loggerhead turtles, and he figured out they never leave the ocean. They stay in the ocean the whole time and just feed on things out in the ocean. But they know what limits they have to the north and to the south to where they just kind of rotate in a circle as they migrate. Um, Lawton was the, the researcher there, and he said the turtles' brains are hardwired from birth to, to navigate their migratory routes. They obtain both the latitude and longitude-like information from the magnetic fields. In fact, they obtain much more complex spatial representations from magnetic fields than people obtain from their compasses. So they have these magnetic maps, and, and they're in their minds. And about every six to ten years, they will come back to Florida to the very same place where they were born and lay their eggs. And it's just kind of hard to explain how that happened other than that there was a designer in all of that. One of my favorite is the monarch butterfly, and I presented this in chapel several years ago. Uh, they migrate all the way up from uh, Mexico. It's quite a, a, a sight to see all of the, the butterflies down there. I've seen several films 
of all the Mexico, uh, the butterflies in, the, in Mexico. So they migrate upward in the spring. And they figured out, uh, Lincoln Brower is the, the researcher who figured out that they follow the magnetic field and they have a certain magnetic inclination in their minds that changes one degree every day. And I'll show you that in a minute. So in the spring, they migrate up to the northern United States and up into Canada. And as they're migrating, their compass changes one degree every day. It just keeps changing. And when the adults lay eggs and die, which they do, they migrate up to Texas and the adults will lay eggs here and then they will die. The eggs will hatch, the larvae then are born with the same inclination as the adult. And then when the adult uh, metamorphosizes, it moves further up north, they'll lay eggs and their degree just keeps changing one degree every day. And so they'll spend their whole summer up in the top part of the United States and by fall, their inclination had kept changing one degree every day until it's now pointing south. And then the magnetic field kind of, um, it gets stronger in the fall and that's an indication for them to start flying south to Mexico. So it's just a really neat thing. There's their tracking as they go south. He figured out it changed degree every day, but then he had a question at the end of his research. He said, the one thing I cannot figure out is how do they, who sets the compass for these guys? Who sets the migratory compass in these butterflies? And he had no answer for that, but I think we know who sets all of that. The fox is just an interesting uh, organism. When they hunt mice, and y'all probably seen this on uh, YouTube, a lot of YouTube's going around here rec recently showing them, uh, the fox catching mice in snow, and they dive down into the snow, but they cannot see their prey. Well, they figured out that they do this according to the magnetic field. They line themselves up according to the magnetic field and face north whenever they're tracking their particular prey. Uh, so they jump into the air and then come straight down head first into the snow, but they, they, they listen with their ears, but it's also if they align with the magnetic field, it will help them determine distance as to where that noise is at so that they can land right exactly on their prey. Here's just a few pictures showing a red fox as he's jumping up, and he goes in head first and all the way in. But he always, if he's facing north, he always comes up with his prey. 75% of all the successful attacks are when they're facing north and lining up with the magnetic field. If they're facing any other direction, it's less than 15% of the time will they come up with their prey. So just a real interesting thing. One of my favorite birds is the Arctic tern because it has one of the greatest migratory routes of any bird. It travels 70,000 kilometers, or about 43,000 miles. You can see up there, uh, they start up around Greenland, and the yellow is their track as they're going south in the spring, and then uh, the orange is where they're going back up uh, to the north. They do this every year, 43,000 miles. Uh, these researchers placed geolocators on there to try to figure out their route and, and how they were making their particular migratory uh, travels and they figured out it was according to the uh, migratory field or the magnetic field they aligned with the magnetic field but they did find an interesting thing on the way back on the orange track you can see it's kind of an S shape they do follow the wind patterns as they're going but it's just an incredible uh, journey that these birds make as they're migrating an Audubon study of these uh, 
was real interesting. They figured out that there were 40 different species that depended upon the Arctic Tern. Up in the northern hemisphere, the Arctic fox and the bear, depending on, upon the tern for, as their food supply, uh, up in the northern regions. And then in the southern regions, a lot of plants and algae depended upon the tern to be down there for their existence. So only indicates that there had to be a designer and all of that. Uh, recent bird migration studies uh, were done by this guy. He's now known as the king of migration of birds because he studied uh, lots of migratory animals, particularly the thrushes. They uh, migrate all the way from Panama up to Canada and uh, he followed them. He actually followed them all the way up from Panama in his vehicle and uh, had trackers on them. And what he figured out were uh, in their eyes, they had a special protein, that cytochrome, that uh, reacts to the magnetic field. And so the birds, he said it's a real simple system. They just fly according to the magnetic field, just following the inclination of the uh, electrical charges. But they reset every day. And that's what he said. They recalibrate their compass every day. So as the sun is setting, they will start flying to, towards the sun and they know to turn right and head north when they're making their migratory uh, journey up north. And so once they set themselves with the sun, then they head north. Then they use the magnetic field to stay on their course. Well, they took some of these birds and after the sun went down, they captured the birds and they put them in an artificial magnetic field and scrambled the magnetic field to put it in different directions. And then they would release the birds and they would start flying in a different direction rather than the north that they were supposed to be flying. And they would fly like that all night long. Uh, the thrushes would generally just fly during the nighttime. But as soon as the sun came up the next morning, the birds realized they were going the wrong direction just by seeing the sun and they'd recalibrate and set themselves to be going north by the sun and start heading back north again. Isn't that interesting? Just a, a neat system that they have uh, in their brains set up with what the proteins in their eyes to make this migratory track. I got to thinking as I was uh, looking at all these animals that use the magnetic field, we ourselves kind of have an internal mechanism that we use. And it's not something internally built in, but it's something that we ourselves get to set. He says in Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right, of the high, right hand of God, and set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the world. That, that word that he used there, set your mind, is to think or have this internal inclination, much like a compass always points north. You set your mind to where you're always pointing towards God and his purposes in your life. Uh, if you'll remember in the Old Testament, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they had the same kind of setting their mind. In the book of Daniel, it says about Daniel, he said, but Daniel made up his mind. It's that same setting the mind, always pointing north, always pointing in the direction that he's going to follow God. And by doing that, you can see in the next verse there, as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom ten times better than all the others. Once you set your heart, once you set your mind 
to following God, then he's going to continue to bless you. One of my favorite passages, passages in the Old Testament is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were uh, before the king, and the king said, you've got to bow down or we're going to throw you in the furnace. They said this, and it just shows how they had set their heart to following God. They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These guys set their hearts. They set their minds. And because of that, God blessed them and put them over all the other uh, people that, um, that they were training in the Chaldean language. It's really interesting. I don't know how many uh, young people, actually they were young people, so you could probably say this is the first indication of, of people going to college in the Bible is when these guys went to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom university is what I call it, to learn the studies of the Chaldeans. But they had set their mind to following God. Later on in the book of Daniel, it talks about there were 120 different young people set up in different positions all over the country. And so I don't know if all 20 of them, 120 came from uh, the children of Israel. But that's interesting. Only these four had their minds set on following God. And maybe that's something for us. Maybe you need to be one of those that really set your minds to following after God. In Colossians 3, he says, set your mind on things above. Uh, later on in the chapter, he talks about you do that by putting off certain things, and then you're putting on certain things like compassion and kindness and forgiving, and most of all, putting on love. In 1 Timothy 4, he says the same thing. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, because it's profitable for all things. It is for this that we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope. We have set our minds on God, who's the Savior of all men. In Hebrews 5, it says, Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained. Setting your mind is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing, but it, it takes a lot of practice to get there. It's interesting in that study of uh, Wilkelski with the birds, some of those birds who migrated were older, and they, scrambled, they would scramble the magnetic uh, inclination in their minds, and then they would start flying the wrong direction, but then immediately they would change and fly north. They never could scramble their, their brain to get them to go the wrong direction. It's because they had an internal map already built in there that they always followed, and possibly following the stars. They think maybe they had a, a map of all the stars in their mind. Hebrews 12 says, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangled us. And let us run with endurance, uh, run the race with endurance that is set before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, setting our hearts, fixing our minds. That's what our families need. Families need leaders who are fixing their hearts, fixing their minds on following the Lord. Churches need leaders who have fixed their hearts. Nations need leaders who have set their minds on following the Lord. So just by looking at some organisms, we can see some of the amazing things about God's creation and how he created organisms, but we can also learn from them about how we might be able to set our minds. And so our prayer for you, I know all the faculty, our prayer is that you set your mind to follow God and be that person that's always pointing north and always the one that people can 
rely on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing us many things in your creation. We thank you, Father, for what we can see that demonstrates your power and your nature in this world. And Father, we, we saw how a lot of the birds had their uh, magnetic field set on you and they, they refocused that every day when the sun would come up or when the sun would go down. And Father, we just pray that we can do the same and set in our hearts to following on you and focusing our lives on Jesus. And Father, it's our prayer that we can honor you and thank you for your creation, but we can honor you in our lives. It's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.